Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we are zeroed in on week four of the NFL season, the New York Giants have a chance to go 3-1, and one, which I think most fans and media and really anyone inside the Giants building would agree that if the Giants were 3-1 and one after four games of this season, they'd sign up for it in a heartbeat. Well, that's the opportunity at hand. They've put, or at least attempted to put, the Monday Night Football loss to the Dallas Cowboys in the rearview mirror and set their sights on another 2-1 and one team, the Chicago Bears, who have also overachieved in the win-loss column. It'll be an interesting game at MetLife Stadium. The crowd has been outstanding the last two games, both against the Carolina Panthers and the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously waned a little bit uh, near the end of the Monday night loss, just the, when Dallas got up by 10. But for th- three-plus quarters... The Giants crowd was as good as I've seen it since that Dallas game back in 2016 when it was a cold night. Janoris Jenkins shut down Des Bryant and Eli Manning to Odell Beckham Jr. on a slant late in the game ended up lifting the Giants over the Cowboys uh, in a big primetime showdown. So the Chicago Bears come in. They're a unique team. They run the ball a heck of a lot more than they're going to throw it. Today's guest is someone I've known for a long time. One of the up and coming media personalities and analysts in the NFL. It's Corey Wooten went to Northwestern from New Jersey, went to Don Bosco in high school is now an analyst for Fox in Chicago for the bears. Also as part of the believe in bears podcast, he will join me for an extensive interview on the Bears, his connections to the Giants. I think you'll enjoy that with Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, who Corey went to college with and was teammates with at Northwestern. He also played for Andre Patterson for a year with the Vikings, the defensive line coach of the Giants. And there's a fun story about his relationship with Michael Strahan that I think you guys will appreciate. So we'll get to Corey's, uh, the interview with Corey in a second. Just wanted to drop some quotes on you for the Giants to set the tone for the week. Kayvon Thibodeau, his quote regarding what he learned in his debut against the Cowboys is that you're not Superman. Good quote. And 
his perspective is that in the NFL, no matter how talented you are, whether you believe you're Superman or not, you can be a Superman on one play, on the same play, but if 10 other guys don't do their job, or really just one other guy doesn't do their job, it doesn't matter whatever superpowers you may have. I'll have more from Kayvon. Make sure you check out NorthJersey.com. Uh, he was very interesting, very thoughtful, I thought, and insightful in his interview in the locker room on Thursday. Make sure you check that out beginning on Friday across the USA Today Network as well. And here's a quote from Thomas McGahee, special teams coordinator, that I thought really underlines the philosophy of Brian Dable and what he's trying to build here. And the quote is, you're going to fail your way to success. And what that means, as McGahee said, is that they're going to play young players, they're going to challenge them, and they're going to accept the fact that they're going, there's going to be failure. But through that failure, through that process, there will be success. And that's what they believe. They're sitting at 2-1 and one right now. They did not have the performance they liked for the most part against the Cowboys. This is a game that could really set them up well going forward. We have London next week. I started speaking to some younger players in the locker room, many of which or many of whom have not even had a passport to this point. Dane Belton told me he's never traveled out of the country. Daniel Bellinger has been to Mexico on a high school trip, but that's pretty much it. And guys are kind of getting ready to go on a trip next week that will really challenge them. And we'll get into that more next week, and I will be in London with the Giants. So make sure you stick around. We're going to do uh, an all-in podcast from there, hopefully. And we will set you up for next week and really what should be a fun trip for them, especially if the Giants can get to 3-1 and one and then see what the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have for them in store the following weekend. So without any further ado, let's get to Corey Wooten, and he'll tell us all about the Bears and his connections for the Giants, having lived in the shadow of the old Giants Stadium and MetLife Stadium for most of his young life. All right, joining me now on All In, an old friend, or at least back when he was in high school. I covered him. I covered his sister, Taylor. None other than Corey Wooten, six-year NFL veteran, a star at Northwestern. He's now an analyst for Fox 32 in Chicago. He's also a podcaster like me. He's got Believe in Bears and also does work on the Bears for the CHGO streaming service, Corey Wooten, welcome to All In. What's going on, Art? It's been a long time, man. You're making me feel old out here. I'm, I'm 35. You're about to be 50 this year. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're getting old out here, man. So it's been a while, and it's good to connect with you. Uh, not only talking before this interview, but uh, you know, on the interview as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to run the gamut of the. Uh, this is your life, Corey Wooten, in this entire segment. I hope you're prepared for your. Uh, your questions about going back to college and and your high school days and even growing up in the streets of Rutherford when you uh, when you were dunked on by a former giant legend 
Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, first off, what are your overall impressions on uh, the new regime there in Chicago? You've obviously spent a lot of time there. You played for the Bears. You also played for the Vikings and the Lions. So you know the NFC North. Uh, what are your impressions on Matt Eberflus uh, and what's going on in the front office and, and what kind of they, they've started to put together here? really like Irafus a lot, right? He's kind of like that Lovey Smith type of coach, right? A player's coach, uh, really attention to details, discipline, fundamentals, uh, something the Bears have got away from the past few coaching staffs. So it's, it's good to have that back. Um, you know, but the, the, the thing about it is the Bears really haven't been performing like we thought they would, you know, uh, defensively, um, being able to stop the run because he's a defensive-minded coach. But I guess the good part is they've made adjustments every game, and that's one of the reasons why they're two and run right now. It hasn't been perfect at all, but uh, I, th- I think he's done a good job of adjusting, and uh, I think the players buy into him. And then as far as uh, the front office, uh, Ryan Poles, the yep. first-year GM, the younger guy, uh, he did a great job this year with a limited draft. He didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, you know, he has a bunch of starters out there that he drafted, especially a fifth-rounder at left tackle, Braxton Jones. And then he has Kyler Gordon, uh, that's a starting cornerback, Jaquan Brisker, that's a starting safety. Um, so he did a good job drafting cause, just because uh, left tackle was a huge position, defensive back. And then, um, you know, so he's, he's done a pretty good job thus far. Um, I, I really like the direction they're going. And obviously it's been a lot of ups and downs with the quarterback this season. So, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully they can get things going. You know, it's pretty crazy. Obviously, you mentioned Ryan Poles, and uh, he interviewed here for for the general manager's job with the Giants, and uh, supposedly really blew them away. They were looking for a little bit more, a little bit more experience, not too much older, uh, in hiring Joe Shane from the Bills. But I would say Poles was right up there uh, in terms of contention here. Uh, what's interesting is Brian Dable, who ended up getting the Giants job, also interviewed for the head coaching job in Chicago. Then you go back to last year and the trade. As you mentioned, the Bears did not have a first-round pick. That's because they traded it to, Gi- to the Giants to try to get Justin Fields. The Giants used that pick to draft Evan Neal. Uh, so it, it, there are a lot of a lot of Giants-Bears ties over the last couple of years. Uh, it's kind of an interesting game setting up on Sunday. What are what are your thoughts from that perspective? Well, I, I think I think this is these are two kind of similar teams right now. You know, um, I, I think uh, you know the Giants have been playing a little bit better defensively, but offensively has been kind of up and down for both teams. You know, they're they're they both got a lot of young guys, especially at the quarterback position. You know, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, um, and. I think I think both fan bases really aren't sold on both quarterbacks yet, so um, this would be interesting. And, and unfortunately, Sterling Shepard went out in uh, the right. Monday night game against Dallas. You know that was that was awful to see because he he looked like he was back from that Achilles injury, and so that's another receiving weapon uh, for you guys down. Um, and then offensively for us, we've really been struggling to get things going. Our running game is just probably our greatest asset, just like you guys. So it's two teams that can run the run the football. They've kind of been struggling at times to, to get the pass going. Now, obviously, let's let's go there. Uh, we'll talk about fields in a second, but the running game, let's talk what's best for the Bears right now. Obviously, uh, David Montgomery goes out and fantasy footballers out there. Uh, I have Khalil Herbert on my bench, so I was well aware of him coming into the season. He obviously took off last week uh, and had a great game. Why do you think 
you know, from your perspective, that this run game has worked so well uh, so far this season? So when you look, you look at the Bears' offensive line, especially, you know, the, the big question mark for them is is, is uh, pass blocking, right? That's something that you know everyone was talking about before the season, and, and at times this year they've struggled a little bit. So their their greatest strength is, is run blocking, right? They're they're doing a lot of twenty one personnel out there. And they have a really good fullback in the in, uh, blousing game. He, he, he's been a road grader in there, creating holes. Um, so, yeah, when they get in that 21 personnel, uh, they've been really effective in that running game. And then they have a few sets where they, where they go out of the gun. And, uh, yeah, Khalil Herbert, is, is, he, has, he has a different level of juice, you know, in my opinion, than David Montgomery. That's no disrespect to him at all. I think they're a talented one-two punch, but he has a little bit more burst over there. And last game he averaged almost eight yards a pop. And even last year when he came in for Montgomery when he got hurt as well, he was averaging over six yards a carry. So he's a very talented guy, and, and that's, that's kind of the strength. And he breaks a lot of tackles too. So, yeah, that's, that's a common theme you see in the NFL, and I'm sure you guys see it too, is the tackling, is especially as the season first starts, a lot of a lot of missed tackles, a lot of running backs breaking tackles. So you know, I think guys are trying to get used to it, especially with the limited off seasons and, and limited contact work during training camp. You know, guys really aren't tackling like they used to. You know, fifteen twenty years ago in training camp. Yeah, it, that is a that is something that the Giants were tested week one right out of the box, having to play Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and then week two they had to go against Christian McCaffrey, and then week three they had to go against Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and I, I Look, I don't mean to disrespect Zeke Elliott, but I still think that Tony Pollard is to Khalil Herbert the way Montgomery is to Elliott. And I think... I think Pollard is the guy that defenses fear. And I think in Chicago, Herbert is the guy that defenses fear. It's not to take anything away from Montgomery, but I think Herbert, uh, does he have what it takes, Herbert, to test the team uh, between the tackles? You know, tell me a little bit about him and what yeah. the Giants are going to see this week. Yeah, so he has a little bit of everything, right? He can, he can stretch you outside the box. He can run inside the box. Um, he's a big guy. Uh, he, he's got a lot of strength. He's, he's got a lot of speed. Um, so I, I think I think what they're going to try to do is, is try to set the tone offensively. The Chicago Bears. They're going to try to, like I said, run that twenty-one personnel. They're going to have a lot of those zones, those cutbacks, and they're they're going to try to create those matchups because when the Bears are, are really doing well, right, they get those runs going, and then they're trying to get Justin Fields comfortable and work off that play action, right, because it allows the, the offensive line an extra second. Right with the hard play action look, so that's what they're going to try to go go to. And and yeah, Khalil Herbert is. It seems like every game he's played since he first got to the Bears. I mean, he's he's averaged at least five yards a pop. So the Giants are really going to have to have their best game, you know, stopping the run. I know they've done a good job thus far, but I, I know Chicago Justin Fields have been struggling. So they're really going to make an effort to to get that running game going. And I I, I, would, I would I wouldn't be surprised if they give Khalil Herbert. You know, thirty to thirty-five touches. Wow! Game. Wow! That that's 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 a lot for a guy coming off the bench. But I, it seems like that's coming from the desire to protect Justin Fields a little bit. Let's let's talk about the quarterback. Um, where is he at from your perspective? I know people look at the numbers and the numbers aren't great, and they start comparing it historically to. The, you know, I think it was an historic low in the last 35 years for uh, pass attempts for the first three games of the sum for whatever it is. 
you're a guy who watches these games. You've seen this quarterback now for two years or at least a year and three games. What's your take on Justin Fields? Have you joined the crew that you're uncertain? Do you think there's more there that he isn't showing yet? How do you feel about about Justin Fields? Yeah, so I, I feel like he has all the talent to, to be one of the greats in this league, right? And I think right now the biggest thing for him is confidence. And I don't think he has that confidence. I thought I thought he did a great job in the offseason and in preseason getting that confidence up. But then, you know, once the season started, we didn't see that same confidence, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with the play calling. Luke, Luke Getze, you know, I thought he's been he's been okay with his play calling. The last game uh, against the Texans, I thought was, that was his best play calling. Like Justin Fields made a couple errant throws. But you look at when, when Justin Fields is feeling comfortable and everything is going well, even, even dating back to last year, right? is running out of that 21 personnel, you know, a lot of zones and then the boot off that, uh, some play action, some nakeds, um, some sprint outs. That's where he's comfortable when he can be able to use his feet because if you look you look at some of his tape, even from this year, right, in San Francisco in that second half, he really got going when he was able to get out on the run because he feels comfortable to be able to use his feet. You know, he was, he was breaking down the coverages and then all of a sudden he completes a bomb to Dante Pettis that really gets things going. He finished that game good. But it seems like right now, when they're doing a straight drop back, they're trying to do a lot of five-step, you know, 20 to 30 yards down the field. He doesn't seem that comfortable yet. You know, there's some pressure in his face. And I think what they need to do now is get some of the intermediate throws, some of the dink and dunks, kind of think like Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. You know, to get his confidence up, and I think once he can do that, I, I think the sky is the limit for him. But right now, it's really about getting his confidence up, and I feel like he's best when they run the football effectively and they work the play action off that. And That's when where he seems most comfortable, when you're struggling as as a quarterback with your confidence, the last thing you want to do is to see a Wink Martindale defense if it's humming at home and throwing all these different looks at you. That's why so much of our talk about Herbert is important, I think, for the Bears on Sunday, is the idea that you cannot go out there and expect Justin Fields and this passing offense to dictate against Wink and the Giants defense. I think that's a losing proposition. Exactly, exactly. So let's flip the ball and go on defense. I think Roquan Smith made another two tackles while we've been talking. Uh, what, what did he finish with, 72 last week? Uh, he was all over the place. Uh, why is this not working? Uh, why did Roquan Smith, uh, Roquan Smith, I'll say it correctly, why did that have to happen in the offseason? Why does it seem like Team Brass is so adverse to giving him a big deal. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that Chicago would love, the idea that you'd want to build a defense around, uh, yet they had the contract issues, whether he was going to be traded, that kind of thing. What's your perspective on the Smith situation, and was that, was that the best game that he's played as a pro last week against the Texans? You know, I think that was definitely one of one of his best games, to be honest. And and he started this year the first two games, uh, especially that Green Bay game. He, he didn't look so great in week two. Uh, he looked a little slow, and he, he looked like he was a little out of shape conditioning wise. Right? He had that. He, he sat out most of training camp. He didn't play any preseason games. And you know this, like it's it's hard to get in playing shape if you if you sit out that whole you know training camp and preseason. And then all of a sudden, especially as a linebacker, because you're playing every play, it's not like a defensive lineman where you could rotate. So I think he was trying to get in, in conditioning. And they put him at a new position. He was playing the outside. 
awkward. He's used to the mic. So hmm. I think the, the big thing for him was getting used to that different position. You know, you, you, you're lining up in a different place. You have different reads. So the first two weeks, he looked a little hesitant at times. So, yeah, last, last week was one of his best performances. He had 16 tackles. He had, like, two for a loss. He had a, he had a pick to clinch it at the end. Um, but speaking of, speaking of the contract negotiation, I think he really hurt himself not having an agent. Right? And you know this. Um, who was who was the left tackle? Eric Flowers that you guys had, right? Yeah. He came out for the draft. He didn't have a he didn't have an agent, and that's fine, right? First round pick, everything slated. That makes sense. When you get to your second or third contract, you need an agent, right? I, I don't. It's hard to negotiate for you at that point. And I feel like if you would have had an agent, they would have got that deal done, right? Interesting. Um, so I think it, it's tough. It's tough negotiating second and third contract by yourself. And he wants to be paid the highest. And I think Ryan Poles right now is kind of treading lightly on, on different decisions he makes. So I think he really wants a lot of money uh, this offseason to go into free agency. So I think they wanted him to be on the team, but I think it was just a matter of a few dollars here and there. And like I said, if you have an agent, that deal gets done. You know, it's it's hard to be a player. It's not about being in the room and not being able to negotiate it's about being in the room and not being able to ha- not being able to hear and deal with what a team is going to say about you in negotiations you know i think that's part that's never looked about you're you know you you played in this league you know you know what it's like it, you'd much rather have someone on your behalf filtering what the team is saying to you rather than you hearing the GM come out and say to you exactly what they think of you uh, in a meeting because they're bargaining too and they're trying to do what they can. So it's interesting. And I do think that Poles is probably in a similar situation to what Joe Shane is as GM with the Giants here. You're trying to rebuild something. You don't want to all of a sudden load up on guys who have been here that might not be part of your future in two, three years. So I do respect the idea of of not giving that contract right away to a guy like Roquan Smith. But it just is interesting knowing Chicago, at least what I know, not compared to your knowledge of Chicago to this point, it seems like that's the one player, that one type of player that the city would fall in love with. Uh, so it was just curious to me how that, how that played out. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it would get done. Um, but yeah, uh, especially with the history, right? Uh, Singletary, Dick, uh, uh, you know Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher, you know all the all the all the greats out there. So um, that's that's a stable position in Chicago. I mean, arguably the the, the greatest Bears have all been linebackers, you know, with the exception of uh, Sweetness. So um, yeah, I thought they were going to get it done. I think they wanted to, but yeah, I, I just think like in this day and age, you have to hire an agent. You know, get Drew Rosenhaus, get some. Get some guy that's the best at his at his job, and he would have got that thing done. And you mentioned Rosenhaus; he was the one who took on Flowers as a client and actually paved the way for Flowers to leave the Giants and really get a, get other opportunities down the road. You know, when he, he kind of salvaged a little bit of what he was his second contract, and and like you said, moving around between the Dolphins and Washington. All right, let's tap into the Corey Wooten world a little bit. I've got a couple for you and I didn't, I didn't tease them with you. So I'm curious to tap into your knowledge. First off, you have history at Northwestern with the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. You were teammates with Mike Kafka. Uh, I assume I am correct about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Kafka. Yeah. He was, uh, me and him came, came both in 05. We were the 05 recruiting class. Right. He was out in St. Rita, uh, in Chicago and, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, he he had a, he had a great uh, last year, our senior year. I mean, he was he was on fire out there. He was like leading the country in completion percentage yards. I mean, he was, and then he was a fourth round draft pick to the to the Eagles. So uh, I actually talked to him when when he first signed with the Giants as a coordinator because um, he had been in Kansas City uh, working with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Um, so he, he's he's a brilliant mind, and the Giants are are very lucky to have him. One of the most intelligent uh, football players that. I've ever met understanding coverages and um, you know people always speak highly you know about what what he was able to do with Patrick Mahomes and you know helping him with different reads and different things and you know Patrick Mahomes absolute great player probably will be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done but um, yeah Mike Kafka you guys got to go with good one in him. So you just just a matter of reaching out to him when he got the job to congratulate him or did you talk to him a little bit about you know the opportunity and what it was going to be like. Yeah, so I talked to him to congratulate him, um, you know, and, and uh, we were talking about getting up, uh, and you, you know how it is before, like, uh, training camp, you know, everybody goes home to the respective cities or travels before the grind starts, so we didn't get a chance to link up, but, uh, but yeah, next time next time I come home, for sure, I'm going to meet him for uh, for lunch or dinner or something like that. I figured maybe he was, yeah. I, <laughs> I was figuring maybe he was hitting you up for, uh, for restaurant recommendations, North Jersey, the city, you know. Exactly. You know, I, I told him a couple of good places. I told him about uh, Paisano in my in my hometown, brother, but I'm sure you've been there plenty of times. Yes, I have. One of yes. my favorite places. And <laughs> guy I grew up with, uh, Justin Muccio, uh, him and his family own that. So, yeah, we've been going there for years. There you go. Uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about is the defensive line coach for the Giants. Was your defensive line coach for a year with the Vikings, Andre Patterson, um, just curious what your experience was like with, with Dre and, you know, what, what do you think of him as a coach? Man, he, he's a really good coach. You know, I, I had, I had a great time in Minnesota. Uh, he, he is really one of the best when it comes to like technique and, and especially with pass rush, right? He he was big in, in, in developing Daniel Hunter, right? Who was basically a guy that barely played in college, you know, that didn't have that much experience, but was a freak of nature. And they thought that they could make him into something. And, and he's arguably, when he's healthy, one of the best pass rushers in the league. And look what he did with Everson Griffin as well, uh, who played for Minnesota. He, he had a great career there. And Dre was responsible for that. So very attention to detail. Um, but I, what I love about him the most is, is pass rush, right? That's key in this league. And he really makes an effort to, to get, the, especially the young guys, to really work their hands. Last one, I teased it early when I brought you on. Uh, I love this story, and I found out about it when Michael Strahan was going into the Hall of Fame, and I know you've talked about it. Occasionally, you don't you don't make it the biggest uh, thing when you go on interviews, but I got to hear the story again. Uh, Michael Strahan, when he was playing with the Giants, and your exchanges and counters with Strahan. You lived in Rutherford, like you said, which is in the shadow of the old Giant Stadium and now MetLife Stadium. Tell me about Corey Wooten versus Michael Strahan. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, we, we actually met him. So one of my best friends, uh, my, my friend Brian, he, uh, he lived down the street from me, and his next-door neighbor was Chad Bradsky. Uh, the end opposite uh, Michael Strahan that played uh, for the Giants and Colts. Um, and my friend Brian had a barbecue. Uh, Chad Bradsky came over, Michael Strahan, and then everybody kind of connected. And, you know, our families got to know each other. And I think I was maybe 
10 or 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And, um, yeah, and then, then we, we, we kept in touch and, uh, you know, he would, he would come by and, you know, play basketball and stuff, <laughs> hang out. He, he would get me shoes from time to time, like having that Nike deal, uh, especially because my feet were so big as a kid. Like, I, I think I wore a size, like, 14, you know, when I was, like, 12 years old. So <laughs> it helped out a lot, you know, get, getting shoes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we, we had played basketball at St. Mary's Gym, and he had came by. And, uh, you know, shooting around and all that. We're, like, joking around, playing one-on-one. And he just dunked on me. I was, like, I was like 11 years old probably at the time. I was just thinking, like, dang, like, you know, I'm short then. And this, this NFL player just dunked on me, Michael Strahan. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, though. That ain't happening now, you know. <laughs> Seven now. He, he ain't dunking on me. And he ain't beating me at golf, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know that story came up when you were – when, when he was going to Canton, have you been able to, to stay in touch with him through through the years? I mean, obviously, you know, I think he has like three free minutes in a 24-hour period every day with everything that he's got going on. But did, did you were able to stay in touch with him throughout the years? Yeah, I, 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 talk, I talk to him probably probably once or twice a year, right? I, I try to be mindful of his time just because I know he's so busy, you know, balancing all three or four things he's doing. He owns a pr- production company as well. He's a he's a father as well, so I, I try to be cognizant of his time. But yeah, I, I hit him up at least once or twice a year just to check in and talk about broadcasting too. You know, because he's somebody I've, I've always wanted to emulate. Like what he's doing is incredible, right? That transition from the NFL to what he's doing now, and he's way more famous now than when he played in the NFL. But he used that as the platform. So I think everybody that's that's a former player that is in broadcasting, they want it. They want to attain what what he has. So. I think he's a great example of, of what you can do, you know, setting up the right things and, and kind of because he, he never thought he'd be on Good Morning America, you know, of all things. He never thought he'd be on uh, Live with Michael and Kelly. So right. I think it's great what, he, what he's been able to do. I think it's very, very, very convenient and clever that you called it live with Michael and Kelly because I'm sure Michael felt that way. <laughs> and considering how it sounded like it went down when he left the show, maybe Kelly thought it was that way and decided they wanted it to be <laughs> live with Kelly. And now I believe it's Ryan Seacrest, right? Um, yep. So clever, clever, clever way to 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 put that out there. But so for you personally, I mean, you you know, you've made this transition. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau came here talking about his relationship with Strahan, speaking to exactly what you were saying in terms of players nowadays that have visions. Strahan is kind of the uh, the top of the mountain in terms of what guys would love to be. You know, you do what you got to do on the football field and then you move into the media broadcasting, uh, you know, on TV, everything else. You know, he's got his uh, fashion line going with Strahan. For you, when you look at that and emulate that um, where you're at. Do you have fun with this? You're a former player. It's, sometimes it's not easy for a former player to get into an analyst position. Uh, I think week one, you gave an opinion and you kind of caught a lot of heat from the 49ers, I think, in terms of Trey Lance. I mean, so you got right off the bat, it was, who is this guy? And then you say, all right, well, you know, look at my resume. I'm not just trying to make headlines here. What's that transition like for you? And, you know, in terms of where you want to go, where you want to be in terms of what you're doing? You know, it, it, it's, it's definitely been up and down. You know, I, I started this back in 2017. And then uh, by 2018, I was doing essentially six shows in a matter of three days on a weekend in Chicago, right? Wow. My broadcasting career is going exactly where I want it to be, right? 
you know, I have, um, you know, different networks reaching out, big networks, you know, asking about me. Um, I have different agents hitting me up, you know, about representation. And um, it, it's, it's on an upward trajectory. And then all of a sudden in 2020, when the pandemic hit, that's when stuff started to take a hit. You know, my, my shows went from six of them to one of them, you know, mm. working with Fox. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not on the Big Ten Network anymore. They get bought out by Fox. And they have limited shows. So around that pandemic time, that's when stuff started to take a dip. And then, you know, I got some other opportunities with Fox and then um, the Believe uh, Network when they partnered up with SiriusXM. And now I'm working with CHGO. But it's still not where I, where I want it to be. You know, I, I have goals for, for a bigger stage. And I'm, I'm just keep trucking away. You know, I, I, I do real estate. Uh, I have rental properties. I do flips. Um you know, for me, when I retired, I'm all about flexibility. But my main goal, my, my passion is, is broadcasting. So either way, you know, I think the one thing that I could learn from Strahan is always be yourself, right? That's what got him where he is, right? And for me, I'm, I'm kind of that same old goofy guy. I'm myself. I laugh a lot. I don't take things too seriously. And, you know, some people, when, it, when they talk about being an analyst, all about serious and X's and O's and all this. But I always try to put my flair on it, right? And if and if this person doesn't like it, that doesn't person doesn't like it. Really doesn't matter to me because I'm being myself. I'm being authentic. So at the end of the day, I'm going to do everything I can to, to to go far in this, and I'm going to be myself. At the end of the day, Corey Wooten, Jersey born. You're you're here. You're now 35 years old. You're right at the start of your next next career, and I'm happy for all your success. And hey, look. The Big Apple's always out there. You know what it's like to be in the shadow and the spotlight over here. So who knows? Anyone listening to this program, you know, try to swing a trade with Chicago. Try to get Corey Rooten back to uh, New Jersey. I think I tried to do that a couple times when you were playing, trying to get you out here to to be with the Giants or the Jets. Although I think you grew up a Jets fan, didn't you? No, I grew up a Cowboys fan. A Cowboys fan. Okay, well... Yeah, well, then, then it's a good week for you as a Cowboys fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, not, now I'm mostly root for the, for the Bears who got played for them. You know, and that, that, that was the, the team I played for the most, so usually root for them. Yeah, well, it's hard to it's hard to cover a team and not not try to be into their stories and root for the guys you cover. So I, I certainly hear you on that. But listen, Corey Wooten, thank you very much for your time. Looking forward to catching your stuff on the Believe Network. Uh, about this game and then obviously after the game uh always a pleasure give the best to your family and i always love having you on hopefully we can do it again yeah thanks a lot all right anytime anytime you need me on here just let me know man it was good connecting with you Corey wooten on the bears and a special thanks to Corey wooten again uh had a chance through the years to get to know his family and happy for Corey's success And he is, as you can tell in that interview, he's not just one of those guys who stands up there and goes on the surface. He digs in, checks out the X's and O's, and I think gave you a good picture as to what to expect from the Bears when they come to MetLife on Sunday. So thanks again to Corey. And if you're interested, make sure you check out him on his podcast on the Believe in Bears uh, on their network. All right, let's go to the final drive. Your questions on Twitter. With the hashtag all in art. Without any further ado, let's hit it off. 
Courtside06 wants to know what are the realistic expectations with Kenny Galladay moving forward this season? Do we have him the rest of the season? Definitely going to need more receiver depth. Appreciate the question. And when it comes to Kenny Galladay, he's going to get opportunities. And that is based on who they have out there. Right now, I don't believe Wandell Robinson is ready to go. Talk to him briefly. Today in the locker room, sure sounds like he's targeting the game in London against the Packers as his possible return. Kadarius Toney and his hamstring, who knows what's going to happen there. He was sprinting with the training staff in practice today. So we'll see. Sure sounds like London is more of a realistic opportunity for him to get back than this week, but you never know. And... The reality is the Giants are going to roll with the guys they're paying at wide receiver. They lost Sterling Shepard with an ACL. And you have Kenny Galladay, you have Darius Slayton, you have David Sills, and you have Richie James. And that's what you have right now. Uh, And I think that's what they're going to roll into the Chicago game with. And Galladay's going to get opportunities. What he does with them is really up to him. I think all of the smoke and mirrors about the Giants picking up Galladay's full salary and trading him. Who's trading for Kenny Galladay? Look what look what we saw from Kenny Galladay with a big drop on Monday night. Who in their right mind is going to deal any type of draft capital to take a chance on a guy who didn't have a touchdown last season and the Giants are just desperate to get him off the team? It's not happening. You have a better chance for the Giants to get something out of Galladay than you do looking to trade him. Could it happen? Look, we've been surprised before, but I just don't see that becoming something that materializes. Along the same lines, Johnny Five wants to know, who's going to be the wide receiver to step up? Do I think Tony will break out, or is he a bust at this point? Thanks for everything, huge fan. Johnny, appreciate the kind words as every week. Uh, Look, I've said it. I've written it. You have to be realistic with Kadarius Tony right now. You go back to last season and week five and that game in Dallas where he had 10 catches and 189 yards and what you've seen since everyone goes back to that game and says, that's Kadarius Tony. And, that may be Kadarius Tony in the future, but right now, that game is standing out as a one-off. That game is standing out as an anomaly because who Kadarius Tony is right now is the player who can't stay on the field and is a frustrating part of this offense. And I would stop short in calling him a bust, but... Until he gets out on the field and does it consistently and plays three, four, five games in a row and produces, I'm not sure how much you can actually count on. I think the receiver that steps up is going to be Wandale Robinson when he gets healthy and out there. He had a significant knee injury. Now, when I say significant, it was not a long-term deal, but he's hurt. You know, he's coming back from an injury playing a position he's not going to go out there in a brace you know he's got to get it where he can be effective laterally 
short area quickness, that's Wandell's game. Uh, and I do think eventually by the end of this season, we will look back on Wandell Robinson and say he was the guy who picked up the most slack after Sterling Shepard went out. So do appreciate that question, Johnny. Thanks for always being a part of the program. Okay. Forbidden, I guess it's Forbidden 13, so maybe a little little Odell reference. What do the Giants have to see from Daniel Jones to determine if his fifth-year option will be exercised? Well, his fifth-year option hasn't been exercised, and it will not be exercised. That's been determined. It's whether or not Daniel Jones will get the franchise tag or get some sort of extension to stay here with the Giants. This is the last year of his deal right now. Uh, There are no options. And do we know the answer to that question? If I knew it, I'd be applying for an assistant general manager's job somewhere. I think the odds are against Daniel to get a long-term deal. I don't think the door is shut about Dan- on Daniel coming back here, but there's a lot to be done and a lot of games to be played this season. He's got to prove he can stay healthy. He's got to prove he can be productive, that this team can rely on him. And ultimately, can he be a difference maker? And... The answers to those questions right now are either no or incomplete. And no or incomplete is not going to get Daniel Jones a long-term contract after the 2022 season. So he's got a lot of work to do. So does the rest of his team to get the opportunity to truly evaluate where Jones is. Because if it just goes on like this, I don't think the Giants are going to give another pass. I think Joe Shane, Brian Dable, the franchise will move forward find the next quarterback, and then Daniel Jones will be looking for another opportunity somewhere uh, to show that there's more to his game than really what he's shown to this point. So I'm not closing the door completely, but it's certainly uh, slightly ajar, if you will, uh, and not not wide open for him to have that opportunity. All right, Mason wants to know, any news on Gates, Lemieux, and the rest of the pup crew? Uh, I don't think... Anyone is very close to returning. I think Rodarius Williams has an opportunity, uh, and it's really not a, a pup crew for the guys who went on IR after they were on the initial 53. So you have two different situations here. So just, just clarifying, Mason. Uh, I don't think Gates is immediately back. I think he's making progress. Uh, Lemieux, I think, is still a ways away. There's never been a clarification on his foot injury, but I certainly uh, know it was not just a a sprain. This, it's a, a significant foot injury. Uh, I don't want to say that it was a Liz Frank because I don't know that. I haven't been able to confirm that. Uh, but if you think of that kind of injury, you know, you're talking you know, eight to ten weeks best uh, if it was serious. I don't believe he had surgery. But you're still trying to get to that point where you can rehab it and be ready to go. So uh, Matt Parrott talked to him last week. He's excited because he's starting to be able to get get that ability to, to do more off of that ACL. But he's still a ways away. I, I would think midseason at the earliest you can start thinking about Matt Parrott maybe working back into the mix here uh, with this team. Uh, Big Blue Brooklyn 
there are a few giants looking solid this year who are at or close to their contract years. You mentioned McKinney, Love, Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, O'Shane Zimenez. Do you think the Giants extend any by season's end? Now, I didn't look up the details, so I'm not going to say by season's end because there are contract issues uh, in terms of the rules. You have to be three years into your se- into your career before season's end. So, for example, Andrew Thomas cannot be signed to an extension yet. Uh, Xavier McKinney, after this season, can be signed to an extension, not before. Julian Love will be a free agent. Saquon Barkley will be a free agent. So, yes, they can be signed before the season ends. Dexter Lawrence, his fifth-year option was picked up for next year. I don't imagine... Uh, They would come to an agreement before the season ends. You never know. O'Shane Zimenez, uh, you know, look, he's a complimentary piece here. They've certainly gotten the best out of Zimenez since he's been with the Giants over the first couple weeks, first three weeks of the season. So I wouldn't rule it out if they look to sign him uh, to an extension at some point. Uh, But I don't believe that would be a priority. It would be on their price uh, and their terms. Uh, I don't think Saquon Barkley gets signed to a contract until after the season. uh, And there's still a lot to be determined whether or not he's going to be here or elsewhere. Uh, I know there have been speculation about him uh, getting traded. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Let's see where they're at at the end of October with Barkley and this team and what the record is and uh, what they can get for Saquon. I don't think they'd be looking to sell Saquon at 75%, 75 cents on the dollar. But uh, look, if somebody came with a with a big offer, with a first-round pick or a second-round pick or a young player who might fit a need moving forward, uh, and at that time, if the Giants don't win another game or just win one game until the trade deadline, well, then maybe Joe Shane has to consider... Uh, all options. I believe he will consider all options, but you can make the argument that right now Saquon Barkley means a lot to this current team uh, and where they're at. And you have to kind of walk that line and balance what you're doing for next year versus if you completely lose this team by trading away Saquon, what does that do? And again, I'm not making the argument that they absolutely cannot. Uh, I just think you have to wait and see uh, and trust your gut in terms of what you'd get back versus what you'd have for the remainder of the season. Isaac Medina, my guy Isaac, has the last question of today's show. Andrew Thomas is playing at a high level, but it takes three years to develop. Do you think Neil Evan Neal will take at least the same time to be a serviceable tackle? You know, Isaac, I, I don't I know the point you're trying to make, but I don't think it took Andrew Thomas three years to develop. I think early in last season, we started seeing Andrew Thomas develop, and that was early in his second season. So I'm not putting it against Evan Neal to be able to succeed. Uh, I think he'll have his good moments, and I think he'll have his moments like Monday night. You hope not many more like Monday night, but I also understand that Evan Neal was not 100% to blame on those three sacks. I know people are putting three sacks on him. My understanding is that two were his responsibility and one was a combination of Neal and the tight ends. So 
that's something that you have to keep in mind when these things are going on and they're running teams are running games and we'll see how Evan bounces back this week. I had a story on northjersey.com and across the network about Andrew Thomas and how his approach can help Evan Neal go from what's perceived as the bottom coming off of Monday night to the top of position where all of a sudden pro football focus is saying Andrew Thomas is. Uh, So make sure you check out that story as well, Isaac. Uh, Appreciate all the questions in the final drive this week. And we will stay all in. We appreciate you and how the all-in audience remains committed to this program. Our numbers and our audience continues to grow. Thank you very much. Enjoy this week's game with the Bears. See if the Giants can get to 3-1. and And then we'll be heading across the pond next week. Giants. Packers, London, should be fun. I'd say adios, but because we're going to Europe, I'll just say I'll see you next week. Thanks for being all in. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.